Welcome to Agents of Smooch. We've got some more romance in action for you with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. We are focusing on the 2005 film starring Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. If you are a member of the Incomparable Network, we did an incomprehensible Agents of Smooch commentary with this movie about a year ago just for our members. And if you want to listen, you could always become a member and uh, go listen to that commentary. We had a lot of fun with this movie because this movie is a lot of fun. But I wanted to come back to this movie. Possibly we're going to talk a little bit about the recently released TV series, but um, my fellow agent has not uh, watched the whole thing. So we won't do anything spoilery if you have not finished that. But I love this movie. It's sexy. It's dangerous. And it's all about finding a connection with your partner in a very complicated way. I am director of Smooch, Annette Weirstra, and for this mission, I am joined by agent Heather Berberet. Hello, Heather. Hey, Annette. Thanks for having me on. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. Pretty excited to talk about it with you. I know you said that, I think, shortly after we did a commentary and you intrigued me because then I, I filed this away and was like, I want to have you on an episode to talk about this movie. And, you know, it takes a while, but eventually... I do get to it. And it seems kind of timely because I bet a lot of people are thinking about it in the context of the new series with um, Danny, uh, with Danny Donald Glover. Glover and yeah, Donald Glover, right. Donald Glover and Maya Erskine, who are quite amazing and very fun. And so watching that, of course, you have to go back to the movie and sort of think about those two things in relationship. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen the TV show pop up on my Prime feed um, just right before, you know, you pinged me about doing this. And so obviously that's all related together, but it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, uh, this is a movie I actually um, assign to couples sometimes. I think it is one of the best movie, it, like best relationship movies ever. Obviously, it's a fantasy. I mean, clearly mm-hmm. we aren't all master spies. But when you look at it in terms of the problems with relationships and how to fix it uh, and get rid of the exaggeration, I think the underlying truths are there. So it's just a, it's a great movie. Great truths hidden under all of the fantastical elements. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that you told me that intrigued me and made me want to talk to you more about it because I'm like, ooh, that's so interesting. And I want to hear what you have to say about this movie and your thoughts. There's great VAM if you buy it from iTunes. And I wanted to make sure I watched that this time, which I have never watched, even though I watched this movie for what it came out in 2005. So uh, the last um, almost 20 years, but this is the first time I've seen any of the VAM and the VAM is so good. Like deep nerdy directorial stuff like it's good it's good vam but they spend almost a half hour with the writer uh, and the um uh, executive producer talking about the early development of it and the writer talks about um wanting to make like wanting to make a um godzilla movie for american audiences wanting to write something really <laughs> precise that way and so he he thinks of this as like uh if if john woo and Nora Ephron had a baby this would be the movie and they had a really hard time selling it because nobody at the time in 2005 could conceive of a gender a ge- excuse me gender genre bending um 
movie like this that was both hmm. a rom-com and a, an action thriller spy movie, which I guess is true. We do have a difficult time with movies that don't fit in a box, but this movie definitely does not fit. In. I mean, it's absolutely as much a rom-com. I mean, it's it's a comedy, right? It's a romantic movie. Uh, it's so hot. I mean, that tango, I mean, that dance scene oh. at the beginning. Oh my God, yes. it's so hot. In fact, the director, um, and I should have all these names and I don't, I'm sorry, but the director says it's the hottest scene, well, at the time that they did the VAM, so 2005 or whatever, hottest scene he'd ever filmed. He said, oh, this is what it means when you have two true Hollywood stars in your mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true romance movie, uh, true comedy. They're so funny together. There are so many moments. They do so much. I mean, what Angelina Jolie does with her eyebrows in this movie. Oh, yeah. Just She's so slays me, you know, and what Brad Pitt does with just his deadpan face or just. Uh, his body, he's just, his body co- co- uh, comedy is so hysterical. Um, and then great, amazing, uh, you know, action thriller stuff. I mean, I picked up all this stuff in the van, but you probably want to talk about the um, the couple stuff, huh? Because that's actually super interesting. Heather, it's our <laughs> podcast. We can talk about whatever talk about we, whatever want, we to. want to. Yes. <laughs> so we make the rules and we can make all our listeners uh, ride along with us. Yeah, because I think it is great on all of those levels. And it amuses me because we have like a lot of other movies that are action. Well, obviously, we've got a series we call Romance in Action. Right, so it's right. not like it's so out there. And romance segues and blends so nicely with pretty much any other genre. It's just that this one is like so sexy, though. Right. And this one is specifically for, I mean, the plot is driven by the fact that these two are a couple like that's the whole point of it the reason Mm -hmm. that there's the the main action I mean there's the action at the beginning where they each have their jobs but this job to to get this guy tank it's a whole setup because they're a couple right yes and then they're attacked and their own companies come after them because they are a couple they you know so um in many you know the the their relationship drives the entire plot so it's much more than having two leads who are spies happen to fall in love while they're working a case right so in that way i think it's quite unique well and it starts with them married and starts with mr and mrs smith in couple therapy lamenting their disconnection their lack of sex and like sort of the typical suburban marriage tropes i feel like um Pop culture is very hard on people who live in suburbia, assuming that all of their marriages are dull and pointless and lifeless. But it falls into that sort of uh, image. And then their marriage is complicated because, of course, they are both living a lie, both of them being top secret assassins working for competing companies. And they are fated to meet and discover on that uh, that there is more to their lives than pot roast because as you said Heather it's not just that they happened to be on the same mission they were put on the same mission to force them into conflict and to force them to deal with the fact that their competing companies are like we can't have this situation this is not okay I don't have a lot of critiques of this movie but 
the critiques I have are uh, not surprisingly given that I'm a therapist are with <laughs> the therapy scenes and not even actually with the therapist, which is usually where I have critiques, but just with the general context in which they put the therapy. Cause it's interesting. They come to therapy, but don't seem to want to be there. N- neither of them appears to be terribly overtly invested in the therapy. Jane seems to be more wanting to be there. We can feel feel that she's the one that wants to fix things mm-hmm. more than John. But both of them are kind of hands off. And generally when someone comes, when a couple comes to therapy, you usually have one that is much more angry and much more right. invested and someone who's much farther away. And both of them seem much too polite, much too disconnected. So that didn't really ring true. Uh, I think... To have, uh, to have Jane be the invested character, uh, we probably should have seen a lot more anger with her. But it doesn't right. fit because in the couple, Jane's the one always pulling back and John's the one who's actually more vulnerable, which I love because it goes against gender stereotypes, right? right. Uh, uh, traditionally, how, if we're going to stereotype a heterosexual couple, it's going to be the woman who's going to be the one invested and trying so hard to make it work. And it's going to be the male who's going to be the one who's disengaged. And in this couple, they have that role reversal, which is part of what I think makes it work to made it work then and still makes it work so well, uh, because it's unexpected. But it's part of what doesn't make that initial therapy session work quite as well. It would have been better, I think, if he had been like, come on, Jane, let's make this work. And, she, you know, so he was saying, you know, he would have been saying maybe, the, you know, like they asked the question, uh, how good, how happy are you? And he would have said a two and she would have been eight. That would have been great. Or, and how often are you having sex? And maybe he would have said, what? No sex. And she was like, well, uh, you know, I have a headache or play some of those tropes right. off so that it can, was consistent. But it wasn't because couples just don't go to therapy if they're both pretending everything's fine. Right. And at the same time, they're like, it, you're right. Like, I totally understand what you're saying. And it's it's like they're using it as a narrative tool to tell you that these two people are disconnected. These two people are a little bored in their marriage. They're like not in sync, but they used to be because you have those flashbacks to when right. they first met. Super right. hot. Uh, but yeah, so it's being used more as a narrative technique than as a real example of them wanting to progress because they almost neither like I wouldn't you go <laughs> watching them you're like you, you shouldn't be married just leave because neither of you are in this and you should just leave because they don't they don't seem like they're in love with each other anymore at this point right and and what's interesting is that reads true to me people stay married when they you know it's just entropy maintenance mm-hmm. of the status quo I mean evolution like has selected us for that you know, once you've got that big old house and you've spent so much time on the perfect carpets and the perfect curtains and the perfect silverware and, you know, it's like, ugh. Those curtains are ugly, though. They were bad. But <laughs> I, maybe they were good in 2005? I, I know. I was know. trying to remember. Is like, was that good at that time? They feel really 80s to me, but those are ugly curtains. I mean, there are parts of that house. I mean, the bathroom and the kitchen oh, still stunning. Slay. Yeah, yeah, stunning still house. Still slay. So the rest of it reads good, though. I mean, reads good for me. I, they're, that they're just veneer of politeness and the forceness of it all and the little tiny attempts to connect that the other person takes an opportunity to use it to rebuff. Um, it's 
yeah, that all rings super true. So I was just kind of disappointed, I think, that if they had tweaked that opening scene, it would have Mm -hmm. just been stronger because it would have been real or it would have been true to the dynamic. But that's okay. Was it better when they went back, each of them go back to the therapist alone? Yes, that's a technique that lots of us use. We'll do an initial meet with both of them and then we'll say, okay, each of you come back on your own. You know, because you want to hear uh, their individual stories where they they feel free and comfortable yeah. uh, to express what's going on without worrying about either hurting the other person. Um, and I, as a therapist, want to hear the story. But we also, just so you know, to be clear, we're, we don't allow secrets, most of us. So no secret sharing at those meetings. Uh, mm-hmm. But we do want to be able to get histories and it's just easier to manage one person at a time, honestly. So we do individual appointments. Um, so those rang true for me. Um, but usually not if you're not going on with couples therapy. So it was interesting that they just kind of had individual appointments without any, re- like without ongoing, because at that point they decided they weren't going to do yeah. individual so, yeah. I mean, they weren't going to do couples. So, But those appointments rang true to me. So that was interesting. So the a therapy appointments kind of to the side. The rest of it I thought was very, very true to how human intimacy and connection works in that they are not talking. Mm-hmm. They are keeping their true selves hidden. Even... Even at um, not only they're not sharing their true days, their their true day to day lives, they're lying about everything they do. But even at such interesting details like their true physicality, like one of the scenes I love, 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 is Angelina Jolie is fussing with these ugly curtains that she bought, and she's doing it. I know the purpose. I mean, I imagine. I don't know. I've never talked to the writer, but. I imagine the purpose of this scene is to demonstrate her physical prowess as a spy. Mm -hmm. Where she's balancing on the back of the chair. Yes. She's balancing on one corner of a chair. I mean, so much is accomplished in this scene, but it's just utterly entertaining, you know, Mm -hmm. in the end. But part of what I love about it is here is this whole physical side of her, uh, which we also see in the flashback, um, where they go to the fair yeah, and she shoots the, but she lets him see that part of her when they're dating. Yeah. Right. But by the time they're married and they're five or six years in, she hides that part of herself from him. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine like what's happening at sex, like, right. Even at their physical selves, they're, they're hiding who they are from each other. And intimacy is, the revelation of self. Intimacy is the lack of boundaries. Intimacy is I'm not monitoring. I'm not um, curating who I am for you. I am letting it all hang out, whether that be I'm letting you see my feelings or I'm just telling you what's coming into my head or I'm, um, you know, sharing my body with you, right? Whatever kind of intimacy, it's I'm not putting up boundaries. Well, these guys, they're like fortresses with each other. Yeah. By the time we meet them five or six years later. So, of course, it is total snoozeville in their marriage. So true. I like one of the, like, Vince Vaughn's character who, I'm, I just don't like him. He is so the embodiment of so many things. I'm like, ugh. I rarely like his characters, but I don't know him as an actor. So he may be an absolutely delightful human being, but he, he, he maybe often he plays is. characters like these. He's quite sexist. 
uh, throughout and sort of like just jerky. But I like when they they rush into marriage and he says, you need a foundation after the other stuff fades. I wrote that down because I'm like, yes, this is really accurate, right? Like if they don't connect other than that like flurry of first sexiness and like wow you're amazing and you know you seem so perfect and we're just on a high of that like the opening of a new relationship and we get married based on that and not based on actually revealing anything and I think to me it seems like because you're living a life where you're hiding so much of yourself then it's really hard to know how much to reveal I'm guessing not being a secret assassin (laughs) Right? I think that's true. Yeah. But it's, it's like you're, they, they, they don't know how to share like anything about themselves because they have to hide so much. So it makes sense that this would be something that's really hard for them. Absolutely. And we do uh, kind of Western culture does such a terrible job at relationship education. I and mean, we do a better job of teaching people how to use a condom than we do about how to actually talk to each other or maintain right. connection. And we really allow people to buy the the kind of Hollywood Disney myth that that rush of hormones that you get you know from the first three to 12 months of falling in love is a relationship it's not it's hormones it's designed to make a baby and that's about all it's designed to do right mm-hmm. and so well it's just probably de- it's designed to like create create a connection it's designed to you know we think right to right build attachment is the psychobabble world right to build attachment so that there's something between you that's uh strong enough so it hurts if you're not together enough that you raise that those offspring together and make more but in the modern you know the modern age that is that is not enough and um what we don't what we don't learn is the beyond the foundation you know that you're talking about and he he was talking about so of course these young pups they look so young to me now right they did not know they did not not look so young before (laughs) definitely not because we're old (laughs) no i'm the same age i was (laughs) of course they didn't think about okay well if i'm like just what you said if i'm a spy what will i talk to this person about if i'm gonna marry them (laughs) right when the hormones were off so yes i totally concur they had no idea how they were gonna build a marriage um, after they the hormones wore off. So they didn't. They had nothing left um, <laughs> until they actually began to engage with each other. And there is a moment when, let's see, where is this moment where they each have a moment where they smile at the other, at the other person and it's engagement. It's when they realize that the person that it's, it's the realize when the person they're fighting is is their spouse they Mm -hmm. each have a smile um and it's in the granted this is part of the fantastical elements right it's in the middle of violence like they're literally shooting at each other but they have this smile and it's like okay this is fun again and it's obviously not because they're gonna you know they're trying to kill each other and it's not because there's guns it's not because it's scary it's because there is engagement again there's interaction again. So here comes the energy and the fun again. And so if you watch the movie, look for these moments. There's these, they each have a separate one. And now I'm blanking on when they are, but they each have a smile 
when they realize when they're engaging with their spouse again. It's pretty cool. I also love that, that, you know, they have the setup of where they come home, they both know, but they're not going to reveal their cards quite yet. And they're having like, the, I'm going to call it the knife play <laughs> with the cutting of the roast. And, <laughs> yeah. and they're standing over their table and doing like in the preview, early in the movie, you just see them doing a very domestic uh, dinner and like just so perfect, like perfectly executed uh, everything. And she, like they, there's a moment where they could have not tipped into violence, but then they accidentally do. Well, no, she does it deliberately. She catches the wine bottle, Mm -hmm. right? He drops it deliberately, whether to provoke her or to start it off. It's unclear. She catches it probably uh, automatically. Yes. But then she drops it deliberately, whether to hide because she made an error because she caught it or to provoke him and to start it off is unclear. But I think it's when when she lets the wine bottle go i think that's what sets them off but i think at that point they're ready for violence yeah 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 yeah. and they're both weaponing up and going around the kitchen and yeah like oh no i'm gonna go so there's a moment where they're both ready for violence and like observing doing sort of that dance around each other yeah and then i can't remember what he does but he does something to like accidentally start it off and once it starts she's oh, gonna okay, hit him sorry. with the car right like and then but so like there's this this moment where they could have of course that's not good action right but i love i love that part because there's just like there's so much build up and then it's it's like something drops and just tips them over into like not just a little bit of violence but like we're legit gonna try and kill each other but also we kind of don't want to kill each other right and they're so flirty the entire time. It's mm-hmm. like like flirting by killing, trying to kill each other. Um, and one of the kind of meta levels of this is when we are passionately, deeply in love with someone and you don't really ever stop loving someone. I mean, I think I mean, we don't know this stuff for sure because we can't image the brain this deeply or, you know, maybe there's a scientist listening who says we can and that's fine I would love to be corrected but um I don't believe we can image this deeply yet but probably what happens is when we fall in love with someone it, it probably really changes the brain on a physical level there's probably a cluster of neurons it's like that pars- person your partner in your head like mm-hmm. that's them in your brain that cluster right and so we probably never stop loving someone we may as the relationship grows and changes, we may also grow a cluster of hating them on top of it, right? <laughs> you know? But but those that way of them being within us is probably never going to change. But that where they lay on the brain is very close to like our parents, right? So mm. that is yeah. a very deep, deep and intense and abiding, um, profound feelings. So wanting to like the fantasy when you are so enraged of like having it out with them with guns, not unusual, not that anyone ever do that, right? There's a big difference between I could, mm, right, right now and actually doing something like that. Those are two hugely different things. But there's something so wish fulfillment about this, this movie for really normal people because those feelings can be so intense and can lie 
at such a primitive place within us. And we can feel so frustrated and so impotent and so just wanting something so desperately to change that just that idea of I just want to unleash all of that rage (laughs) without any restrictions and just let it go. And then here on the screen, we got to get to see this played out in such a fantasy way and in such a safe way, right? Where they never hit each, you know, they never really hurt each other. Nope. They, all the rage comes out and it's done in this flirty way and they never hurt each other, which is, which is amazing. Well, that miles apartness at the beginning of the movie, right. just it's like it it doesn't just sort of gently come back and it like bursts back on the screen through the violence. And like like you say, there's such a closeness between the violence and the sex, which sounds right. really terrible. But it's like they're so no. angry because they want to just have sex with each other and have that connection. And I think they so deeply crave it. That's why it's so violent, right? Well, and love and hate are two sides of the same coin. They're both engagement, right? Rage and um, passion are two sides of the same coin. When I am enraged with you, I am deeply and profoundly engaged with you. Right. And like they say, you can't be truly angry at someone or hate someone if you didn't have feelings for them, right? That's right. If you didn't care, you just wouldn't care. The opposite of love is indifference. It's It's not hate. And so what I see when I'm doing couples work is that so often we either couples where that that rage is way out of control and that's all there is. And we're working at directing that in a way that is effective and and, you know, where where the bullets are landing, like that's one way. And we're like, Mm -hmm. no, (laughs) we need to not be firing bullets at each other. There is a different way. Right. So we'll see that scene where they're actually killing each other. Okay, no, let's not do that. Uh, or not actually, but metaphorically, the bullets are landing. We don't want to do that. Uh, or we're seeing the scene at the beginning where there's like, it's that dinner, you know, it's that dinner where we're talking about peas, right? Yes. And passing the salt. That's not working either, right? So we need to be able to express our anger. We need to be able to express the intensity of our anger. We need to make sure that the bullets never land in the sense that we need to be able to do it in ways that are respectful and not damaging. And that's what therapy is for, um, if you didn't learn it from modeling from your parents. But that anger is, we just, we have to be able to be angry. We have to be able to express that in our relationships. Otherwise, the sex and the intimacy dies, right? Because you, mm-hmm. then you get that dinner, which is really no fun at all. <laughs> well, is it also not just about expressing the anger, but just expressing your true self because they're hiding so much if you're hiding it you need to be able to express your true self in all of its facets to actually make that connection like you said the the good the bad the ugly of ourselves yes and I would imagine if I mean I am particularly familiar with American culture and North American culture at least you know English-speaking North American culture I would imagine where there are cultures that preference other kinds of emotions Mm -hmm. that other kinds of emotions are more freely expressed and and then others are suppressed right so it's really about what are you not saying Uh, and so here anger tends to be one of the ones that is either overexpressed or underexpressed but i could imagine sadness you know happiness i mean i could imagine that whatever it is that you're not allowed to express in your culture 
in your relationship still needs to be expressed because you're human. So yes, right. it is that expression of you as a person. Um, but conflict in particular uh, is really important in relationships because we are, you know, you're, you're two people and two different selves. And that means that there's at times two different desires, two different wants, two different agendas, which means there's going to be conflict. And if you avoid that conflict, then there's kind of only one person. And, you know, we don't call that sex between two people. We call that something else. So at a very, very basic level, you kind of want friction in a relationship. So there is something very primitive about anger or conflict in and of itself in a relationship. When we look at passion and sexuality and all of that, you know, friction and anger and conflict plays an essential piece. So that's part of why I think this movie is particularly powerful uh, it, and that all that rage and violence, because even though, no, <laughs> not what we're advocating in terms of shooting each other up, but as a metaphor, Please don't shoot at your spouse don't, don't as a method spouse. of therapy. That's right. not what we're saying. Not what we're saying, but as a metaphor, anger and expression of anger and sex, super tightly woven together in the biology of a human being. Need a little friction. Yeah, well, that's why makeup sex is a thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Speaking of makeup sex. Yes. I mean, then we get to sex in this movie, right? Uh-huh. I was going to say, so like the turn, <laughs> right? The turn from full out were apart to the turn of where they start coming together, which kind of starts with the dance in public, right? Oh, well, yeah, that's right. Before that. Well, because that scene just goes on and on. I mean, they're fighting each other on and on and on and on, right? It just goes, they go leave the house and they go run around the neighborhood. <laughs> they he comes to have her a workplace. car fight. Yeah, there's the workplace. And then finally she thinks she kills him. Yeah, and she's sad. And she's sad. Yeah, she cries a tear. One beautiful single tear. <laughs> I wonder if she really like eked that out. The Bam doesn't have that. I bet she did. She's a pro, It feels man. like she would, yeah. It feels like she would. But lo and behold, he shows up and she just knows it's him. I think she smiles, I think. She does. She, she smiles before she sees him. He like, his presence comes up, I think, behind to the side. Yeah. And then she just sort of like almost looks up and smiles with that tear still glistening on her cheek. I bet she can like feel him, like feel his warmth or yeah. maybe smells his aftershave or something. Yeah. 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 And then they have that tango. And then the Vam says it's supposed to be like the sexiest frisk frisking ever in the history of the world or something. It in is, script. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happens after that? They're... Well, they, they still continue to fight, right? So like they, yeah, have, they have the dance, but it's it just feels like that point is kind of the beginning of the turn where... And I think at some point he says to her, like, you could have you could have just killed me at that point and... You know, she like she's good enough to shoot him or to throw the bomb at him. And they start to to admit to each other they're not really trying to kill each other. Well, they get back. They're back at the house one more time. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they yeah. have they have this standoff where they both finally are pointing the gun at each other. And he this is part again what I love. They've got these gender roles backwards. She's the competitive one. Mm -hmm. She's the one who can't let go. She's the one who's in many ways the better spy. Not that he can't keep up. He can. 
but she's the perfectionist so much more organized i'm like i was like i feel like the women are better at spying than those two men and he's the one who puts the gun down first and says i can't do it and and oh they had those conversations in the car mm-hmm. where he does all the admitting and he's like you know i really do love you and she says yeah what well, well you're the easiest what does she say you were the easiest mark i ever saw when i first yep. met you yeah yeah it's pretty cold right like he <gasps> yeah. he says that and she still will not give him an inch yeah she is a biatch i have mm-hmm. to say yeah yeah but you know because she's she's just hiding that very soft heart of hers behind all of that mm-hmm. anxiety all that ocdness and then she puts her gun down too and then honestly you you know the sex scenes look pretty much like the gun scenes <laughs> Yes. It's very, very yes. similar. Which I and think I love is the hysterical. neighbors coming. Yeah, the neighbors coming to the door and they're <laughs> like, knock, knock, knock. Sounds like something's going on. And they're clearly. Yeah, they're bold as brass. They just open the doors, you yeah. know, wrapped in the uh, sheets. I love that. Because yeah. we know they never made it to bed. No. No, they like, as far as I can tell, they made love like in the middle of broken glass mm-hmm. on the kitchen floor. Like what? But okay. You know what? Whatever. Sex in movies never has to be on a comfortable service. No. They do that a lot. Where you're like, yeah. in real life, <laughs> that looks so uncomfortable. I do appreciate in this m- movie, sex does appear to take more than 10 seconds. Yes. Yes. Or they just do it for a very long time, many, many times. I'm not totally sure that's... uh unclear but it doesn't appear to be just a very quickie one and done which so often it's like really like sex just isn't that quick people so mm-hmm. i do like that it does appear to take a while which is nice well even in their the first scene where they have their first encounter um they stay together all night right so like that's yeah. more than just yeah. a brief encounter there's something there that yeah. made them stay and then yeah. again um they weren't going to leave the house except for suddenly both of their employers are after both of them, right? So except then that, suddenly that's, there's a bomb. Yeah. Well, and I, I do like that they like, they literally blow up that suburban life and that like, right? like they, they blow up their lives, which is the lie that they were living before right. and they're starting fresh. And it's like, it's so again, good. metaphor, don't metaphor. blow up your house. Though I can I say there is a scene right before that that I just another one of these little moments that I just adore, which is, okay, they've like, they figured out that they know pretty quick what's happening. Mm-hmm. And they have this moment where they're both behind countertops or something and they look at each other and they're, first of all, they're doing hand signals to each other and they yes. both can understand each other perfectly, even though they've worked for different companies. Yeah. So I love that they're speaking the same language. That is not the problem. The problem is who's going to top who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love that because Jade always tops John. Always. Another role reversal. I love that. Or not. But whatever. I love that. And um, and I just it's just another one of those moments where the production just takes this opportunity in the middle of chaos, in the middle of this, the plot is, you know, just driving them forward. But they take the 10 seconds to do this character moment 
that is what you really remember. I don't know what happened next in terms of what got blown up, but I remember that moment yeah. where they're hand signing each other and they're arguing about whose plan they're going to go with and Jane wins, or I don't know who wins, but I think Jane wins, but it's another really beautiful movie making moment. Yeah. Well, and I love that they have guns and weapons hidden all over. I also love that <laughs> like she has a whole set. His is in his like little shed and hers right. is in the oven because she knows he's never going to open that oven. <laughs> right. Well, and because she doesn't cook. I mean, maybe it's a fully functioning oven on top of the gun vault, but. Well, it doesn't, they had they do have it all over the house. He's got one yeah. like behind a game station and she's got one somewhere else. But yeah, it's pretty funny. I. It's almost like they were planning to fight. At some point. Like, because why would you need them all over the house? Well, I guess they never knew when they would get attacked. Yeah. Yeah. I also, every time I watch this movie, I come up with scenarios about how did they get those installed? Like, how did they make sure the other person would be gone the whole time, especially when they always had crises, right? How they Mm -hmm. make sure the other person come home in the middle of construction of the, the he shed or the oven remodel or well, if they knew ahead of time, because they have to maintain the lie, right? The uh, Right. So like, I'm gone for a few days. So if they don't know that that's not an actual, just a business trip, that is going to be a predictable business trip. So you probably could rely on their sort of pretend schedule to schedule in quick renos in between. I would hope so. I mean, they must have, because clearly they didn't know about each other. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, so the house gets blown up, which again, yes, do not blow up your house as a way to change your life. But I will say that the stuff people have to do to fix their relationships often, I think, feel that way. Like we've got to change some fundamental ideas Hmm. about what you can expect from your relationship, what you're entitled to, what you're not entitled to, which is like really you're not entitled to a lot, that that it's not so much about what you're supposed to get, but that your power in your relationship lies in what you can, you know, your power to invite your partner to, to, to be in relationship with you, the, the power of vulnerability. I mean, we just really have to turn things on, on the head, on your head to think about how human beings work in terms of our biology and biology and psychology, which is the opposite of what things like, marriage and traditions and monogamy kind of lead us to believe is supposed to happen like all of Mm -hmm. that stuff is counter to how we actually work as critters so there really is some truth to blowing up the house to make it work in the end Um, but again we do not recommend that as an actual solution (laughs) (laughs) just a metaphorical solution just a metaphorical solution uh, it makes sense though, right? Like, like as you say, you have to take some big risks to come back when things are that disconnected. Yeah. And I feel like I have a lot of respect for people who can, because like not everyone's going to make it to that next level. That's why people do That's walk away and break up totally and true. start over, right? So like it is a really brave thing. Not that there's anything wrong with, you know, moving on or changing like not every relationship is needs to be a forever relationship but I think you have to be really vulnerable and both parties have to be invested right like you say if one is in and one is not you can never fix that oh that's right and I think you know relationships are incredibly 
difficult work and often what makes them very hard for us is because the stuff that's getting in our way in our relationship is painful stuff from our past. Mm. So in order for us to do what we have to do to make our, to clear up our stuff, whatever we're contributing to the relationship not working now, we have to face our own garbage from the past. There's nothing fun about that. That is hard <laughs> work, right? So the person we're with you know, has to be compelling enough, has to be, we have to love them enough. They have to be worth it to slog through all of that. And that's just not always true. So, uh, though I will also say the corollary to that is all of that stuff that you have to slog through to make it work. It's that will also always be true. So the idea that I'll just go find someone else and I won't have to do this. Well, that is a fantasy. Uh, you will always have to do it, but you just want to find someone uh, who's worth it to do it for, right? Yeah, and kind of with, right? Because they have to. Yeah, and they have to do it too. You. That's yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they have their own stuff to slog through for sure. Because you picked each other. <laughs> yeah, you picked each other. I don't have of anything stuff to go through, Heather. I'm no, like no, totally totally perfect the way I am I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah that's because yeah, you're the director Annette it is it's true yeah. I've uh yeah I've I, yeah no it's been 25 years married yeah oh it so you takes done. some time right like you have yeah. to you have to have a lot of trust in conversations yeah. and yeah stuff stuff yeah well, you know, I've been married 25 years too, and I'm a therapist, so I'm absolutely perfect. I have nothing, yeah, nothing left. Yeah. And if my wife is listening, she is rolling on the ground, <laughs> <laughs> oh. laughing her head off. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But hey, we made it 25 years without True. blowing up the house. No, without blowing up that or shooting each other up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we may so play paintball. Good. Ooh, paintball sounds fun. See, was yeah. that not totally fun to play paintball? Paintball. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It definitely was. Yeah. Uh, I also learned to kickbox, so I could kick or punch them. But Ooh. because of Alias, let's talk about one of my favorite all-time shows, Alias. I really needed to learn how to punch and kick things. I have to watch Alias. This is one of this is one of my blind spots of uh, being a fangirl is Alias. It is on my list. Of things that must be watched. I own the DVDs. I've watched them many, many times. It's probably one of my yeah. fav- favorite TV shows. Also Fringe. I have watched some of Fringe. Yeah. yeah. I Fringe, I should watch the rest of Fringe. And, and you know, Alias is just They're very different. They're like sort of like there's a lot of commonalities in some of the plot points and so on. But as a like they're in different genres. That's yeah. a whole other podcast. We have done an yeah. episode about Fringe, but not on Alias. What? You have not done a podcast on your favorite show? I know. What's wow. wrong with me? I don't know. Is there not enough romance? Uh, no, no, there definitely is. There's romance all over that thing. Huh. Well, put that on your spreadsheet. Yep. Maybe I'm just saving it for the right time. Ooh, maybe. Okay, should we get to the final scene? But yeah, it's like I, what I love is then when you see them go through all of that anger then the sex and then you come to like that final fighting scene which is like again whereas you had a dance that was like fighting and like sex now you have fighting 
that is like a dance because they're Mm -hmm. so in sync with each other. I have always loved that scene. I mean, again, so many beautiful moments in this final kind of sequence at uh, what homemade. Um, But one is that they put on the suits and Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, Angelina Jolie in a suit, Mm -hmm. just scrape me up off the floor. Uh, But then um, they put on the suits and then there's the the elevator scene. (laughs) Yeah. They drive up and they have the elevator music. I just think that, I don't know why it has always tickled me. It's just one of those moments where it's so comedic. Like this is such comedy. Mm -hmm. So many moments of comedy. Anyway. um, Oh, but there's that final fight sequence and uh, they, they deconstruct that sequence on the VAM. And I want you to know it is a single take. Oh, wow. It is a single take. They rehearsed it over and over and over again. And it is them, Brad and Angelina, the whole time. And they and the director just says they're just that good. Like, wow. they do that whole thing in one. And so you can see it on the in the van. You can see it real time from one of the side cameras. It's amazing. They just, and it actually only takes like, like less than a minute to do it. It's so fast, but then it gets so slowed down with the cameras. Uh, and there's these like four cameras, like walking around them the whole time they do it. It's really cool to see them shoot it. But yeah, it's just them. They wow. choreographed that whole thing. Yeah, I'm, it's very impressive. Um, I feel like I need to watch it again now. Yeah, I know. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to see that. So once they have been so out of sync and then they have this revelation of self, right? And they... They get real with each other and they reconnect and then there they are in sync with each other. And I, that is just true. Now it is oversimplified and it's pra- it's magical in this movie, right? I mean, it's not mm-hmm. that easy and dramatic and all of that. But the, un- the underlying truth is there, you know? If you are talking about your real self to your partner and they are listening and receiving and talking about their real self too, you know, you sync up. That is biology, people. Like that is what happens. So cool that is cool i want to know how do you how do you pitch it to your clients if you you're like hmm i think you really need to watch mr and mrs smith <laughs> how do you pitch it to them so there's only there's some clients you know there's some clients you can't if they're too serious a client mm-hmm. you can't give this to them because oh. they'll come back and they'll be like what like they will not get it but if you if i'm working with someone with a good sense of humor then i will say okay i have a movie i want you to watch now it's not your normal therapy fair, but I think you'll appreciate it. I want you to go watch Mr. Mrs. Smith, Mr. Mrs. Smith. And at this point, a lot of people have seen it. And they'll be like, what? Why do you want us to watch that? You want us to shoot each other up? And mm-hmm. we'll laugh and I'll say, no, of course, I don't want you to do that. But there are a lot of truths in this movie that I want you guys to see if you can pick up on. And so watch it. I want you to enjoy. And what I'll ask them to do is do a date night about it. And I want, yeah. and I'll ask them to focus just on enjoying each other and enjoying the movie. That's it. One of the things that is universally true when couples come in for therapy is they are not enjoying each other. They are, mm-hmm. they are focusing on what's wrong. They're focused um, with them, with their lives, with their relationship, with their kids, with their finances. They're, they're focusing on everything that's wrong. And, they have lost the ability to, to spend any time on what's right. And there's always something that's better than something else. There's always something that's less bad. And, and with most couples, there's still some good. There's still something to enjoy 
even if they haven't been paying attention to it. So really my first intervention, my first goal is to get them to start paying attention to what they're enjoying about each other, even if it's just really faint or small or little Mm -hmm. moments. And so with the right couple, getting them to watch fun movies like this uh, that also have some lessons to them is a great way to start getting them to enjoy each other again. And so if they can come back in with some enjoyable moments, then we're going to get a lot out of that for them. And if, and if we can get them to enjoy each other on the outside and focus the harder stuff in the therapy session, uh, that's a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> for well, them. and I could see it leading yeah. to some conversations that maybe have some lightness, even if it's about mm-hmm. the hard stuff, because you can totally joke like we did, you know, like you don't literally want to get the guns out, but sometimes maybe you do, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it allows, it really, I mean, it gives them permission from their therapist to be mad at each other. Yeah. You know, to be really mad at each other. Uh, but also kind of by going so overboard, we're also saying, um, okay, well, clearly that's not okay. I mean, that's too much. Let's be clear. Um, that's the extreme. We're not saying that. Um, but yeah, being mad at each other, that happens in marriage. Um, it also gives them this mirror of the flatness and the disconnect. Mm-hmm. There's there's some been some really interesting studies about the efficacy of having couples watch um, three to five relationship movies in terms of ha- helping them with their relationships. And it's surprisingly effective. <laughs> right. That is interesting. I know. There might be some newer research about why. The last I heard, we didn't know why. But the suspicion was, maybe still is, is that you do see yourself reflected in the movies and you get a little bit of a like splash of cold water. Like, oh, that is unattractive. Oh, yes, we do that. Oh, I don't want to be that way. So just that seeing another couple be so disengaged and so for like that you know the pee scene that dinner yeah. scene yeah i think that also gives us something to talk about and like oh yeah we are kind of like that and, ugh, that is not i don't want to be that way and yeah we miss sex like i want that that looks hot i want that we used to feel that way i want them again so it just gives a lot of touchstones i think in the movie in such a funny wonderful way uh for couples to start talking again so yeah, it's so different from the, like a lot of the rom-coms, you're looking at the beginning of the relationship instead of right. the middle of the relationship, which being married 25 years, I like seeing stuff where people are in the middle of their relationships and are still interested, caring, passionate about each other and love each other and still in the thick of it, you know? Yeah, not just like married without, like as a role, not as a relationship if that makes sense yes and so many hollywood movies just miss the mark on any reality about relationships they're just they're as fantastical as this one with no truth in them at all Mm -hmm. so there are there are very few movies that i recommend but this is one of them that's super fun so any final thoughts about this movie i always wish that the ending was better i mean I do like that. I I think the final therapy um, scene is funny where they go mm-hmm. ask us the sex question again. 
Yeah. But, um, and maybe I could get on board with this couple would go back to their therapist. <laughs> this couple in particular, just to gloat. Um, <laughs> it's true, because I feel like yeah. <laughs> once they've gone through that experience, they probably, most people wouldn't bother going back to the therapist. No, absolutely not. Because they've done the work in a sense, right? Yeah. So. yeah, most couples would be like, see, we didn't need that therapist in the first place. This couple, however, I could see we'd go back to gloat. But I always, you know, I, I always forget the ending. And I think the reason I forget the ending is it doesn't really end. They go from homemade to just that therapist. And there isn't mm-hmm. really a tie-up about, like, I I wish they had found a way to have, like, I would have liked a scene where we see all of their old employees all together in a new company. Yeah. Like, right? Like, I think yeah. that would have been more satisfying. I know from the VAM, they actually had villains called Mother and Father that they had two different sets of characters play trying to do it. And they had a narrator. They had a whole bunch of different ways. But it was interesting. In the end, all of that's gone because Brad and Angelina were so compelling, charismatic on the screen. They carried it so beautifully. None of that was necessary, which I think I totally agree. I just think we needed a better ending. Like, I think we needed them on top. I think we needed them united in business and in marriage. And we needed some office, right, that was some mixture of both of their situations. And they were calling the shots. And I would love to see them bickering about whose plan they were going to go with. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Like, you know, and I think that would have been the satisfying ending. And I just think we didn't, they didn't stick the ending. That's okay. It, I don't always think you have to stick the ending yeah. to have a brilliant, perfect movie, right? Perfection, I guess, for me, doesn't always mean absolutely perfect. I would add to that a domestic scene, right? So seeing them in yes, sync at home. in their new home. Seeing them at, mm-hmm. yeah, new house. They're like, because I love this. I love the moment where she's like, I've never, he says, your cooking is terrible. She says, I've never cooked a day in my life. I'm like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is so good. Maybe, maybe here, wait, we, we need to write our own ending. Maybe they need to be like living in some like amazing, I don't know what setting, some kind of urban setting where they go from their office to their home and they're right next door to each other, upstairs, downstairs type of situation. Mm-hmm. And the girls, you know, or the guys come and they, you know, like, it, it's all together like it's none of it's hidden it's all in the open and they're their authentic true selves at work and at home i think that's brilliant and they have an intern making them dinner yes exactly yeah. right and there's no peas and there's and it's pot roast but it's just the way they both like it and he likes the curtains and she, I don't know, somehow they have found a way to make it work. And that would also be the perfect fantasy, but that's okay. Yeah. So, okay. Hollywood producers who listen to Agents of Smooch, when you remake this, we need that ending, please. Well, that, that segues into the, <laughs> they are remaking this. They did remake this. Sort of, right? Uh, something I well, learned like right. five minutes before we started recording. I was like, because I like to open Wikipedia pages and so on. I'm looking at Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And I'm like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, 1996? What is this with Scott Bakula? Apparently a terrible TV series that sounds like actually might relate more to the remake with um, Glover and uh, Erskine. 
I think that's how you pronounce her last name. But um, apparently there was another version uh, that I'm sort of curious to see, but is like not remotely available at all. Like You can't even rent it or purchase it to look at it. It's just disappeared. I saw that too when I kind of went back because I had heard there was a Hitchcock movie of the same name, which yeah. has nothing to do with any of this. The only no thing spies is, involved. Yeah, no spies involved, no nothing. It just has the same name. Uh, but I saw this Scott Bakula thing and I'm like, what? That's nuts. Yeah, but I didn't try to find it, but you can't find it. It's not available, huh? I am in Canada. You are in the U.S. So it oh, okay. could be different yeah. for you than it is for me. Yes. We often cannot access everything. But just looking at the description, um, because in the the TV series that was just released this year, the couple, John and Jane, know that they're spies and they are working together, which creates a completely different dynamic and is really interesting right so like the opening scenes of them uh of that series is them kind of being interviewed for the job of john and jane and then they're matched up as a couple and so um i i was just like i i, I don't want to spoil because you heather have not also not not seen the whole thing i've watched it all and maybe we will come back after you've watched it all and talk about this well, we too. should but you are forgetting there is a different, there is an opening, opening scene, which has a John and Jane, a John and a Jane out in a country farmhouse. Oh, this woman yes. is beautiful yes. and has very, very Angelina Jolie lips. And she <laughs> yes. says, I cannot do this anymore. And he, who has very, very Brad Pitt hair, says, okay, then we're done. And they both get killed. And then we cut to the new John and Jane getting hired for the job. So here and here's another thing. Okay. So you remember how I said that in the van we learned there are these two villains, uh, mother and father, who we do get ever so slightly contact with in the film as it is because they are the ones who give the assignments. Right. To, Okay. But that's all. They're just computer voices. That's all we see them. Well, in the van, we get to see them a couple times. And we learn that one of the couples, uh, played by Jacqueline Bissett, and I can't remember the guy who played the guy in that, the first set of Mother and Father, they are actually a married couple. Oh, interesting. Who decide to take them out. Yeah. So I now have this whole headcanon going, which... You know, who knows that perhaps this John and Jane TV series is some kind of, I don't know, like mm, some type somehow related to the movie in terms of the bigger, like some bigger Mm -hmm. setup or something. And that they kept pursuing our John and Jane because they didn't want them another they didn't want competition but then maybe decided okay i don't know anyway i think maybe they're all related yeah here's here's another take what if brad and angelina become mother and father and they're running this whole organization behind the scenes Ooh. and they have like basically then recreated multiple mr and mrs smiths because they thought they worked so well as a team they're trying to replicate themselves Ooh. So then what is that opening scene with a suspiciously looking 
Angelina and Brad lookalikes. Well, it's there for a reason. I mean, yes, for sure. That's a tease for us. Because the big question is, is there going to be a season two or not? Because that makes a big difference. And I don't know right. if they've, I think they would like a season two, but has not been confirmed. Okay. I would love to come back and maybe we could chat about the series when you're done. That'd be fun. I'd love that. Because it's very different tonally. It's not quite the same, but you can see there is a whole episode where they get into the therapy of things with Sarah Paulson as the ser- mm-hmm. therapist and who doesn't mm-hmm. love Sarah Paulson. Oh, when I saw her on the what's coming this season, I like shrieked. I had a whole squee moment. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love her so much. Because it's it's like they are, I feel like they are related and it it, it, it is big influence, but also it sounds like the framework is closer to that Scott Bakula series from 1996 that wasn't terribly successful because they had a more similar setup. Yeah. I would like to see this. I don't care if it's bad. Someone let me see this because I kind okay. of want to be able to investigate the whole world of Mr. and Mrs. Smith's. Well, I will investigate here in the U.S. Yeah, Mar- Maria Bello, who I looks familiar to me, but is Scott Bakula and Maria Bello star in the 1996 version. This is very fun. I love talking about this movie. I am curious. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you. You're getting through the series. I did find I said to you as well before. I I couldn't binge. It's not a binge watching series. No, it isn't because the episodes are long. Yeah, and I, I feel like there's there's so much in them and they're a little mm-hmm. darker and there's like uh-huh. relationship stuff and spy stuff, but also yeah. like sort of themes around each episode and what's happening. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to sit and think with this and I'm such a yeah. binger on things, but I can't yeah. rush. I mean, they're funny. I think yeah. they're well balanced. I mean, they're yeah. they're uh, it's they're it's a little seri- more serious than the movie, but it's still comedic. A beautifully acted mm-hmm. by these two actors. I mean, they're both so good. And they're, and it's a, what I, okay, can we talk about it a little bit? Yeah, for um, sure. I mean, I just love, this is such a kind of modern millennial um, series because they are talking about real relationship stuff like farts, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. And are we going to, you know, it is, again, it is more serious to them if they're going to allow each other to location tracking than if they're going to have sex or not. Right. Which I think is very real. Like, right. it is a it is a very, very modern romance series while also doing the same stuff that has been true and uncomfortable for people forever. Like, when do you fart first in front of someone? Like, all, you know? So, but which TV almost never deals with. So... Mm-hmm. Um, on, on that kind of relationship level, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I can see it might get added to my list of things you should watch uh, that I tell couples. So yeah. it's good that way. Yeah. It also lets us glimpse into a few other relationships as well in comparison and contrast. Uh-huh. Well, and because the characters also are um, of different ethnicities, mm-hmm. both not, uh, both, uh, not Caucasian, uh, right, so I don't know that we, he appears to be African American. Um, well, and we know that Donald Glover is, and I don't know that she's, has she, 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 at a certain point, it comes out that she is mixed race, uh, Japanese, okay. and I think an English British background, which may align with what 
she the actor Her, she is. also is uh, but they do talk like race becomes an issue that they discuss as a couple and individuals and they talk about it too as people from different backgrounds mm-hmm. too so that there's they both are people of color negotiating um this uh caucasian world that they have to live in uh as non-dominant identities and then they also but as different uh, coming from different uh backgrounds they also negotiate with each other so there's i think a lot of really interesting conversations that happen and the way it's built into like there's this moment in in um i think it's episode three where they go on a mission they have to go into the shishi auction yes and um john says i'm not going to go in there i'm going to go in as wait staff and jane says why and he says look there's going to be six black dudes in there and they're all going to know each other and there's no way i can move freely i'm just going to go in his weight and she's like yeah okay and it's just one of those moments where it's just right there and they're just they're dealing with it in the writing in a way that um i so appreciate you know Mm -hmm. it's like yeah that's what his experience would be and yeah that sucks and yeah he's going to use it to his advantage and I don't know. I just appreciate it. So anyway, again, part of the writing is taking is dealing with these uh, characters lives in a very real way for today. And I really appreciate that, whether it's farting or being a person of color in a white world or whatever. So I like Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And in a way that makes sense within the story and hits home really sensibly without having to make it. Uh, a thing right so it's just like right. oh yeah right yeah totally of course it's of like that uh it makes sense and it yeah I'd say the acting level of both Glover and Erskine is amazing also chemistry yeah. like oh, not just chemistry. sexual chemistry but intellectual and acting and like they're just so well matched they can meet yeah. each other in this story in a way that yeah, you're just, I was just building yeah. to the end. You're like, what's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> so. And they took notes from the movie too, mm-hmm. right? So Jane in this, this Jane is also much more planful, more OCD, right? Much more intellectualized and. Likes to be right and in charge. Likes to be right and on top and much more, um, you know, she holds herself back more. And John is more impulsive, more disorganized, go with the flow and more engaged, uh, you know, more emotionally available. Uh, so, you know, they seem to have taken their cues too from the yeah. movie in terms of their characters, at least that way. So, anyway. And I think that will become, and I'm so excited, you have to let me know when you watch it. This will become okay. much more el- like apparent in the therapy episode which okay like, i can't wait till you get there well i think that might be next so i'm now i wish i had watched it before we recorded. well we don't that's gonna okay. like let our listeners enjoy the surprise there too okay so, so this has been a tease yes a little amuse bouche me trying to lure heather back <laughs> let's talk about lure, the series lure the listeners back yeah <laughs> Well, you do not have to lure me back. Okay. All you need to do is drop a scheduler in my feed and I'm there. Excellent. I can't wait. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed uh, this conversation. Like I said, I've been waiting for so long to have a chat with you about this because you intrigued me and I very much enjoyed it. So thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Annette. Agents, we will be back next week with another episode. And until then, stay safe.
Agents of Smooch is part of the Incomparable Network. If you are enjoying our show, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to join the Smooch Agency, you can become a member of the Incomparable at theincomparable.com slash members. Members can choose to support us and any other shows on the network, and you get extra perks like hanging out in the members-only Slack channel and bonus content such as our growing list of incomprehensible agents of Smooch tipsy commentaries. Thank you for listening. Your next mission will be coming to you soon. Thank you.